This is Stories of Strength by MuscleTech, personal and inspirational tales that redefine strength. Welcome to today's episode of Stories of Strength, a podcast where we share personal and inspirational tales that redefine strength. I'm your host, Jay Cardiello, and today I'm speaking to a man with a truly remarkable story, former NFL wide receiver and return specialist who is currently the team ambassador of the New Orleans Saints, Michael Beerman Lewis. Despite only playing football his freshman year of high school, Michael found success in his early 20s playing flag football while also working as a Budweiser truck driver. Before long, he was wading through the various semi-professional football leagues, making a name for himself and getting invited to numerous pro training camps before making it into the NFL. Michael is here to share his exciting story and talk about his journey from flag football to becoming a New Orleans Saints Hall of Famer. Welcome, Michael. Michael Lewis, how are you today, champ? I'm good. I'm good. And yourself? I'm doing well. It is such an honor to have you on this podcast. I cannot wait for our audience to hear your story. This is, in my opinion, one of the most remarkable stories filled with resilience, perseverance, and it's one of those untold stories that's now going to one day hopefully make it onto the big screen. So I'm excited to hear about this story. But before we get into your NFL career, can you tell us a little about your childhood and the road athletics played in it? Yeah, as a young kid, I played all sports coming from athletic background. My dad, my aunts and all them, they played a lot of different sports. That So I always played sports my entire childhood. I always played with older kids, never really played with my age, falling behind my older cousins. So when I got ready to play, it was always with older kids. Then when I got ready to play my age group, I just seemed a little bit better than most of the kids. But that was because of playing with older kids. Yeah, it's really important. I, my son plays with kids older in his league and with soccer, and it makes such a difference when he then plays with kids his own age. He's actually a, a step ahead. So I commend you on doing that because it really makes a big difference, not only as a youth, but actually later on in your career as an NFL player. So yes. I, kudos to you on that one for. Now, back in high school, now you only played freshman year. You actually had to give up your career and actually you're going on to college, actually, because you became a father in your high school years. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience and what that meant thinking that, oh no, my what I'm here for my purpose is no longer being with me? I actually just played my first year in high school and it wasn't even my daughter at the time. And it was actually me getting a job, play football and basketball and wind up getting a job afterwards and didn't even look at sports after that. It was more of, okay, I got a job now, I'm making money take care of myself as far as I got to ask my grandparents or anybody for money to get school clothes and things like that. Like I have my own money so I can do my own thing. And that's the thing that I actually took from sports. Like I didn't have nobody tell me, oh, if you do these different things in sports, you can go to college and all of this here. You know, my grandparents work. So that's all I had embedded in me was once you get out of high school or whatever, you get a job, you work, you take care of your family. After high school at 19, I had my daughter. So College or anything wasn't even in the picture right then and there. It was really to take care of her. That's remarkable. But you eventually started playing flag football and then slowly made your way through various semi-professional leagues. Can you tell us about that journey a little bit and then eventually into becoming that Budweiser truck driver and then eventually ending up in the Arena Football League and then the NFL? 
Yeah, I played a lot of flag football. I used to play with these friends of mine. We used to play in all these different. When it first started, it used to be called the Nike Air It Out. Nike used to have in New Orleans every year. And we just started playing in all these different flag football leagues all over the city. And every year we'd get together and start playing. And that was like my big highlight. I go to work. I know on Saturday and Sunday, I was going to play flag football. It's crazy. I did play semi-pro football for about three years in Kenner, where I grew up at. And I had a good time, won a national championship one year with them. It was crazy because was it 2010 or 11? And I was actually inducted into the semi-pro hall of fame. Didn't even know they had a semi-pro hall of fame. (laughs) Honestly, when I looked at it, the semi-pro was actually my NFL. I tell a lot of people that even in my speech, when I went to get inducted, that was my speech because I looked at the semi-pro as my NFL on that level. And that's what a lot of guys that doesn't get the chance to move on to play on a professional level. But driving a janitorial truck, I was driving from New Orleans to Baton Rouge and I heard about the indoor football league that they had starting in Baton Rouge. And some friends of mine actually called me up and that's when they was telling me like, hey man, you heard about this? I said, yeah, I heard about it on the radio. (laughs) It was like, hey, we're gonna get together on Saturday and let's go down there and see if we can make this team. And that's what we all did. Wound up going down there for the tryout. It was about 200 kids out there that day. It was about 200 of us, probably more. There was only taking 64. And I was one of the 64 guys that actually made it to go to training camp. And during training camp, you only can bring in 30 for the season. So I wound up making a team and started playing indoor football in Baton Rouge. And I was driving from New Orleans to Baton Rouge every day. Go to Baton Rouge for work bring the truck back to New Orleans, then back to Baton Rouge to go to football practice. So that was my everyday thing. And I wound up quitting the job. They didn't want to let me off one day. I had asked for, I put in my two weeks to let them know that I was going out of town to go play. I was our first away game. And they told me I couldn't take off and I wound up just quitting. I quit the job. And I'm talking about, you quit a real job to play indoor football for like $200 a game. I wound up doing that and eventually I started working for Budweiser in Baton Rouge. So I wound up moving to Baton Rouge while I was playing arena football. Um, we won a national championship then. But then we went 15 and one that year, won the championship. And the next year they started a new league that wound up folding called the CFL, the RFL called Regional Football League. Cause the CFL is the only league that I didn't play in. I played in all the other leagues, but the CFL <laughs> is the one I didn't get to. But the RFL was called the Regional Football League that I started playing in. And about five, six games, the whole league folded. I went back to Baton Rouge to play indoor football. And once the season was over with, I moved back to New Orleans and started driving trucks at Budweiser in New Orleans and got hurt. I want to hurt my back. And the doctor told me that I need to find something to do with my life because doing this job here messed my back up about five years. And I was like, okay. So that's when I started making all those highlight tapes and sending it to everybody. And I wound up sending one to New Jersey. (laughs) And that's when you got in the picture after that. That's where I got the phone call from y'all to come to New Jersey for a trial. Let me jump in here real quick. So I I get this tape, right? And I'll never forget in the off season, my job was to go through the tapes and just watch the tapes and watch the tapes. And we had hundreds and hundreds of tapes. Just like you said, there were 200 people. We must've had four or 500 tapes and I'm going through all them. And then yours came in and I was just like mesmerized. So I called it Frank Mattias, who was the head coach at the time, called him in the office and we said, we got to bring this guy in. And I wasn't there that day, but you ran, they said, in the rain for one. 
And I was like, what? You pick up here. I'll, I'll, leave, I'll, I'll leave the rest <laughs> of you and I'll jump in. I'll jump in when it happens. <laughs> okay, so when you saw the tape, you told Coach Mattier, he told Coach Amai, who was the receiver coach, the offensive guy, and he called me and he was like, hey, we got a tryout coming out. He said, you get here. We got a hotel for you and everything, but you got to get here. And that was the whole thing. And I was like, man, I say, I don't get paid till Friday. And I looked up the flight. I think the flight was like 249 round trip to Jersey. And I went to my grandfather and I asked my grandfather, can I borrow the money from him so I can get the ticket so I can come to Jersey or whatever. And my grandfather was the type of man, he never really said nothing at first. Like he'll just look at you and not say nothing. So we were sitting at the kitchen table and he was eating at the time I walked in the house and I asked him for it and I was sitting down on the other end of the table. And he just looked at me, still eating. <laughs> when he got finished, he just slid his plate out in front of him, got up and walked off and went in his bedroom. And I was sitting there like, okay, I guess that means no. So I got up and I walked out the house and I'm in my mind saying, okay, I need to find another way of getting this money till I get paid. And my grandmother came outside and called me and I walked up in the room and he the one who gave, he said, I'm going to give you this money. He said, but when you get back, you better give me my money back or don't ask me for nothing else. I was like, man, I make sure I give you your money. So, and that was like the biggest thing. Yeah. I wound up flying into Jersey is crazy because I wound up flying in Jersey that Thursday. And I know y'all picked us up on Friday morning from the airport. So I flew in like on Thursday night and stayed in Newark. And then I called a cab that morning to meet up because I couldn't find a flight that was going to get me in time to get there early enough for the pickup spot. So I wound up going the night before and staying in Newark. And then I wound up catching a cab to the airport. <laughs> and that's when they picked us all up from the airport and brought us to the hotel. And the next morning, man, it was freezing. Yes. The next morning, it was so cold out there. And everybody was stretching and warming up. And I was just in my little sweatsuit. I just jogged around the field like in circles. And it was like, man, you're not going to stretch. I said, man, I don't stretch or nothing. And when they <laughs> called my name, I just took off my sweatpants and my jacket, man, and got down there and took off and run. You know, they would not tell me what I ran at first. Like they would not tell me nothing. They just looked at me and it was like going back and forth, back and forth. And then it was like, nah, he got to run again. And then I ran again. Nobody believed it. Nobody believed it. Just, I heard. Yeah. They just kept on saying, do it again, do it again. <laughs> and that's how it was. And it was so crazy because it got out because when we actually came back for training camp, they made me run again during training camp because Ricky Foggy couldn't believe it. And he was like, coach, this dude, do not run like that. And when I ran again, Ricky was jumping up and down. And I was like, what it was? And he was like, nobody never told me what it was. <laughs> I think it was 4-2. <laughs> I mean, your speed was phenomenal. I, I just remember you in the Arena League. You would take a five-yard gain and turn into 15 or take a 10-yard game and turn into 25 to 30. So this speed was just crazy. So go on with the story, brother. So getting there, going into training camp, and you know as well, I wasn't never a big weightlifter, never wanted to be in the gym. So I get in there and just do light stuff. And it used to be so funny because he was this big gym rat. And you was like on guys about lifting it. And I used to be like, man, I'm lifting what I can lift. And I'm not lifting this heavy weight. <laughs> you know, I said, my job ain't to be strong. My job is to run. So I don't know why I always wanted to do a lot of leg press. But when we got started, I went into camp as the starting offense specialist. And we signed George LaFrance. Yes. And when we signed George, I went from offensive specialist 
to playing Jack linebacker and receiver <laughs> because it was like, we're going to find a way to get you on the field. And I'm saying to myself, linebacker and receiver, which I can tackle, which was good for me. But I was like, man, I don't know. It's crazy. We're talking about this here. Three months ago, Jay, my best friend sent me a video of the game we played that actually got me put on the map. I'll tell you, we played our first four games. I had seven catches, 135 yards, and one touchdown. The night we wind up going to Tampa, played on national TV that night. And that whole week, we had all the interview guys in that town, all the media, remember? Because George was like, I'm going back home and tear down the house I built and all of this here, whatever. So it was a real big hype thing for George. And I remember after the first quarter, they did not let George do anything. I think George had all-purpose yards of 25 all-purpose yards that game. And Coach Mattie put me in right in the beginning of the second quarter. And I played that game. I had 271 all-purpose yards, three touchdowns that game. And that's when it all started off with getting all the phone calls and, like you say, starting to get out there playing more. So I became an offensive special after that, and I just started rolling. And then... The workouts when the Jets and the Giants came to our practice that day and watched us. You taking me down to Philly. My roommate in college, people don't know this, was Sean McDermott, the head coach of the Bills. So I called Sean and I said, Sean, you got to trust me on this one. You got to see this kid. I've never seen speed like this in my life. So Sean goes, okay, I'll give you this one try. Bring him in. We'll do him for a workout. I'll never forget. I don't know what it is about God, but he doesn't like with the weather when you run your 40s because it was pouring rain again that day. And on that day, you slipped. You slipped, mm -hmm. got up and ran 4-4. Four, four. And the guy yeah. was like, uh, he didn't know what to say. <laughs> and that was so crazy because I remember all the stuff. We went through the whole little workout. They wanted to sign me and bring me in the training camp right then and there. And I was like, nah, I need to talk to my grandfather and stuff. I remember you taking me to get my first Philly cheesesteak in Philly. Yes, yes. You say, after this, we went got lunch and you took me to get my first Philly. And I didn't want to sign with them right then and there because I wanted to finish out that season with the arena team before I go into training camp. The only thing that I say I respect everything about the New Jersey Red Dog was them releasing me right after that because they let me go, but they kept me there and still paid me and let me work out with y'all until I left to go to training camp. That was the most special thing in the world that I can say those guys looked out for me in that perspective because I remember Kevin Guy. We was getting ready to go to Carolina because Ricky got traded to Carolina. Yes. I remember going up to the bus and Kevin Guy walked off the bus and was like, hey, Mike, we need to talk. I was like, what's up, coach? He said, man, you can't go on this trip. I was like, what? He said, well, yeah, we released you this morning. I said, what I do? He was like, you didn't do nothing. He said, I got a phone call. And Jay told me that you didn't want to sign with the team because you want to finish out with us and then <laughs> sign. And he said, I can't let that happen because I don't want you to get hurt. And this could be your shot to making it to the NFL. So we're going to keep you on the team, but you're just going to go through practice. You can work out with us, practice, but you cannot play. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the thing. And when I got to training camp with Philadelphia, man, I met some great guys. I'm still cool with a lot of those guys that I actually started with. Ran across a couple of them not too long ago. Bobby Taylor, those guys. I always talk to Hugh Douglas and Hollis Thomas, calling them. But going to Philly did something different for me because it made me feel like if I get a fair chance, I can play in this league. And it's crazy because after the first game we played in, first preseason game was in Cleveland. And I played. And after the game, I called my best friend up and I told him, I said, man, 
they can cut me tomorrow. I'm good. I said, I went to NFL training camp. I played an NFL game. I said, I'm good. I said, I can go back to Jersey and play arena ball for about five years, buy me 18 wheel and start my own trucking company. Now that was my whole goal of doing it. Like if I didn't make it or whatever, but after I finished training camp with Philly and I got released and I went home, I wound up going to Jacksonville. Then I tried out for New Orleans. Same thing you said. When I tried out for New Orleans, it was raining. It was raining. It's crazy that that happened. Matter of fact, in Jacksonville, it was starting to rain. We actually stopped our workout because of the rain. And that what brought me back to New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> so that brought me to New Orleans after I worked out for them. And they was like, hey, we know you play arena ball. We're not going to bring you on, assign you. We're going to send you to Europe next year and get you acclimated to the 100-yard field again and bring you into training camp in 2001. But before the season was over with, man, they called me up and put me on the practice squad. And I was on the practice squad for about six weeks. That year, one, I'm going to the playoff. The Saints won. I went in their first playoff game ever in 2000. And it's crazy because after all of that, I wound up going to Europe and making the team that following year in 01. But it's so crazy because like you're saying, we're talking about me driving trucks. The Budweiser plant that I worked at is only two doors down from the Saints facility. So it's the Saints facility, is a church in between that, and then it's the Budweiser plant right next to that. So it's actually two doors down. That's an amazing story. So through all of this, how did, how did you stay motivated? I think I stayed motivated more just doing it for myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't have a personal trainer. I didn't have nobody teach me anything. Like, I had a real job. I worked out at night mm -hmm. by myself doing those things. I played in, like I say, semi-pro leagues and all of those different things. I just, I think I started back playing football in semi-pro to give my grandfather something to do on the weekend. Because he mm -hmm. always, we used to go to the games and I sit on the truck with him and we'll talk about football and stuff like that. Just having him out there and I was just kept saying to myself, listen to my grandfather and them and everybody in the neighborhood. I was talking about how good my dad was and people in my family, yeah. how great they was. But nobody went beyond high school to do something else. Like yeah. my dad and them played like semi-pro baseball and stuff like that. But nobody ever took it to another level. So I just said, you know what, I'm just going to give my grandfather something to do. So when they sit down talking underneath the carport, I wanted my name to be in that <laughs> name. You know what I'm saying? Like I wanted my name yeah, to be... Brought up with everybody else. You know, I hear about my aunt, how great they was. My dad, even my cousin that didn't even play sports, he went to the military. And they talk highly about him in the military doing great things. I'm like, I got to get my name, throw it into the family some kind of you gotta way. got to get in there. Yeah, so that's the semi-pro thing, man, that got me started. And um, it just kept moving on. But I never really gave up on a lot of stuff. Once I made it to the NFL, think about it. 2001, I made the team, played four games. I know the game like it was clockwork. We was playing Carolina in the rain and I dropped the punt and they picked it up and they wound up scoring afterwards. And then after that, we wound up scoring at the end of the game to win the game. And that Monday morning, man, I got called in after workout and it released me. And I was so upset. I was like, I'm gonna go to another team. I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. Because I never caught punts before. And that's the one thing that I always told them was, I made that team on the grace of God, honestly. Because a kickoffs was so easy for me because I did that all my life. But punts I never caught before. So catching punts and not really being taught how to catch punts. And making a team, then getting released. So one of the guys, Ricky Porter, is my guy. He the one that really taught me how to catch punts. I said, man, they just told me, get under the ball. Never really told me that if the ball is a certain way, it moves, it does certain things. So he took me under his wing and started showing me. And um, I got back on the field. 
As someone who has overcome adversity to get to where you are today, how would you define strength? I define strength as everything. And I'm not just talking about being strong, but strength within yourself, strength within your faith. You know what I'm saying? And that's one of the things that I had always told people. My strength was within myself and within God. I always tell people that and they say, why? I say, because I think when I got there and like I said, when I got released, one of the things that came out of my mouth was God did not bring me this far to turn his back on me. I say, and I thought that was like a test how much faith I had within him to get back out there and do something about my situation. And when I got back out on the field, one thing that I said was that I'm not going to let this opportunity get away from me. And so I played four more games after that. So I played eight games that season. Then next year, man, I took two weeks off and I went back into work catching punts every day, hundreds of punts every single day throughout my whole off season, all the way into after minicamp, and they actually was going to find me because I was there too much. They said I needed a break. But I said, this is not going to be the reason why I do not make this team or I get kicked out of the league because I can't catch punch. So I put in that work. Like I put in, uh, people always say I put in four years of college catching punts in a matter of six, seven months. Wow. It reminds me of a quote. It said, God didn't bring me this far to bring me this far. That's what your whole story is all about. Now, you're currently the Saints' all-time career leader in punt returns and punt return yardage. What does it mean to you to still hold these records? It feels great that I wasn't a fly-by-night story, and that's been my biggest thing, not wanting to be a fly-by-night story. Oh, the guy never went to college. He only played one year high school football. He drove a beer truck. Oh, they gave him a chance, and he played a year or so in the NFL, and that was it. That wasn't just it. I was trying to leave a mark behind. Like I said, I hold the record for the Saints punt, return yardage, and punts. I still own the NFL record for the single season record for the most punt kick return yard in a single season. I said that in 2002, and it's 2022, and it still stands today. That type of stuff that makes me feel good that I just wasn't a fly-by-night person. And that was like my biggest thing was is that I always told people that football was going to be my stepping stone to other things that I'm doing. Like I get to go back and talk to kids in school and I get to tell my story. You know, I get to talk to these young kids, work with these young kids as far as training and helping them out because I never had nobody to train me. So those are the things that actually push me and drive me even more. Like me and you talk when I came to Atlanta, when you was doing a weight loss thing. The show. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy because when I got there and we talked about it and I told you and Jay, that was years after we left from Jersey. Yes. And I told you, I never knew that you was the one that made that phone call. And I told you that personally, like, man, I am grateful. Never knew why I had to go to Philly, <laughs> why you took me, because you was like, hey, Mike, we're going to Philly <laughs> on Tuesday and I'm taking you, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> OK, cool. Yeah. But never knew that. It was you that actually helped me get that spot up until that day when we talked, when I drove to Atlanta to surprise Sean for you. You're going to tear me up now, brother. You were inducted in 2015 to the Saints Hall of Fame. It's an honor to be on this journey. You're tearing me up, my brother. What was that experience like? It was a great experience. What was so crazy about it is I know my numbers was going to actually get me there. But I didn't know it was going to get me there that fast. You got to wait five years after you retire from the organization. But I never knew that I was going to get that phone call that fast. I had just left from working with the organization 
full time. I'm still the team ambassador and things like that, but just there every day for them to give me that call saying that I was being inducted to the Saints Hall of Fame. It was special. It was special. Just like the day I got the phone call that I actually made the team, because I found out that I had made the Saints team before it was out on the news or anything. The guy that helped me out called me on the phone and he was telling me, hey, Mike, this is Rick. I said, what's up, Rick? He said, man, I just wanted to be the first to say congratulations for making the team. He said, but you can't tell nobody this. And he told me this at like (laughs) 11 o'clock in the daytime. And I had to hold it until the news came on, like I think it was six o'clock news or seven o'clock news or whatever it was. And my agent called me up and was like, hey, man, we're going to do something, man. We're going to go to Hooters and we're going to do a party, see if you made the team or whatever. And I was like, okay, cool. And everybody, like my family, (laughs) my mom and everything. And I'm holding my breath, like knowing I noticed it. I didn't tell my grandfather. I didn't tell nobody. Even when I did the news interview and when I was getting ready to go in, they was asking, it's like, well, Mike, how you feel about making the team? Like, you're a long shot and this and that. I say, look, I gave everything I got. I did the best that I can. I just leave it in the coach's hands. It's up to the coaches. And I knew that I had made the team. But holding that in all day, it was the most stressful thing in the world. <laughs> you know, just holding that in, knowing you know and you can't say nothing. <laughs> oh, that must have been some secret to hold. <laughs> now, this is amazing. There's actually talks right now of this being made into a major motion picture. What is it going to be like to actually see your story on the big screen? I think it's going to be great. Like I said, I'm big on underdog movies. I love movies where guys really shouldn't have been where they're at. Like I say, God does a lot of things. Like I always tell people, Rudy was one of my favorite movies. A guy that actually went through hell and high waters just to play on the football. He just wanted to run on the field just as well as I said. I wanted to play in that one football game in, in the NFL and say I'm good. For him to do that, busting his tail, going from one college to get to Notre Dame and then going to practice every day and actually getting that one chance just to run out on the field and play like that. Invincible is another movie that I fell in love with. So those type of movies like that, I even got a chance to look at a Kurt Warner movie. Just seeing all of those things like guys that defeated the eyes because we didn't go the traditional route of making it to the NFL. You had to go through some things to get to where we was going. And that just shows me the work that I put in that somebody wants to try to make this a motion picture. So I'm loving it. Wow. It's going to be an amazing show. Mike, so what legacy do you want to leave behind? My legacy, and it's crazy because I don't want my legacy to be about football. I want my legacy to be about other kids that I touch that actually got a chance to move on in life. And I'm not just talking about making it to the lead or whatever. I'm talking about those kids that I talk to that's going to school to be personal trainers. I tell them to be doctors and lawyers and things like that. Tell them like the adversity that they're going to go through through life. But if you keep on moving, you can get over those bumps and stuff like that. So those are the things that I'm looking at when it comes to my legacy. And then I want it to be about football is what I have done to help other people to do better in life. That's what I want my legacy. When my name come up, it's like, oh man, that was a great guy right there, man. He helped these kids, man. He did this here. He did that for kids or whatever, not just about football. Oh yeah, he played football. Yeah, he played in the lead or whatever. But what he did off the field was more important than what he did on the field because what I did on the field helped me to do all the stuff that I'm doing now off the field. And that's what I want my legacy to be about, what I did for other people off the field. Wow. So where can people find you on social media? 
I'm just on Twitter right now, man. Somebody hacked my Instagram page and I hadn't got back on Instagram. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was so crazy. And I thought about getting back on it. Honestly, I just been laying low, just not doing anything because I'm working on some things. So I just been laying low and I just have Twitter right now. And I don't even do a lot of social media stuff. And it's crazy because people always say, man, Mike, you got to get into it. And I'm like, man, I'm just not that guy. <laughs> But eventually I'll probably get back onto it. But I, I got some things in the work that I'm working on before I jump on it. So when I come on, I want people to actually see what I'm doing, not just me hanging out or whatever, but what I'm doing with kids and stuff like that. Like that's the thing that I'm actually working on right now. That's great. Well, Michael, you are a true inspiration. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Oh man, thank you for having me. Well, that's all for today's episode. Thanks to Michael for coming on the show and sharing his inspiring story of strength with us. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Jay Cardiello, and this has been Stories of Strength, personal and inspirational tales that redefine strength, presented by MuscleTech.